Chapter Eleven of Headlong Hall by Thomas Love Peacock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Among the days marked with a white stone, which the Beaumont of the Cambrian Mountains was in the habit of remembering with the greatest pleasure and anticipating with the most lively satisfaction was the christmas ball which the ancient family of the headlongs had been accustomed to give from time immemorial tradition attributed the honour of its foundation to headlong ap headlong ap breakneck ap headlong ap cataract ap pistol ap radia ap headlong who lived about the time of the trojan war certain it is at least that a grand chorus was always sung after supper in honour of this illustrious ancestor of the squire this bull was indeed an era in the lives of all the beauty and fashion of carnarvon marianith and anglesey and like the greek olympiads and roman consulates served as the main pillar of memory round which all the events of the year were suspended and entwined thus in recalling to mind any circumstance imperfectly recollected the principal point to be ascertained was whether it had occurred in the year of the first second third or fourth ball of headlong ap breakneck or headlong ap torrent or headlong ap hurricane and this being satisfactorily established the remainder followed of course in the natural order of its ancient association this eventful anniversary being arrived every chariot coach barouche and baruchette landau and landolette chaise curricle buggy whisky and tilbury of the three counties was in motion not a horse was left idle within five miles of any gentleman's seat from the high-mettled hunter to the heath-cropping galloway the ferrymen of the manai were at their stations before daybreak taking a double allowance of rum and kuru to strengthen them for the fatigues of the day the ivied towers of carnarvon the romantic woods of tannelbush the heathy hills of kerniogau the sandy shores of tremadoch the mountain recesses of beth and the lonely lakes of cabal craig re-echoed to the voices of the delighted ostlers and postilions who reaped on this happy day their wintry harvest landlords and landladies waiters chambermaids and toll-gate keepers roused themselves from the torpidity which the last solitary tourist flying with the yellow leaves on the wings of the autumnal wind had left them to enjoy till the returning spring the bustle of august was renewed on all the mountain roads and in the meanwhile squire headlong and his little fat butler carried most energetically into effect the lessons of the savant in the court of quintessence que par engine merifique j'ectoite la maison par les fenestres who by a magnificent contrivance threw houses out of windows it was the custom for the guests to assemble at dinner on the day of the ball and depart on the following morning after breakfast sleep during this interval was out of the question the ancient harp of cambria suspended the celebration of the noble race of schenken and the songs of hole and cavilioc to ring the profaner but more lively modulation of voulez-vous danser mademoiselle in conjunction with the symphonious scraping of fiddles the tinkling of triangles and the beating of tambourines comus and momus were the deities of the night and bacchus of course 
was not forgotten by the male part of the assembly. With them, indeed, a bull was invariably a scene of tipsy dance and jollity. The servants flew about with wine and nagus, and the little butler was indefatigable with his corkscrew, which is reported on one occasion to have grown so hot under the influence of perpetual friction that it actually set fire to the cork. The company assembled. The dinner, which on this occasion was a secondary object, was dispatched with uncommon celerity. When the cloth was removed and the bottle had taken its first round, Mr. Cranium stood up and addressed the company. "'Ladies and gentlemen,' said he, the golden key of mental phenomena, which has lain buried for ages in the deepest vein of the mine of physiological research, is now, by a happy combination of practical and speculative investigations, grasped, if I may so express myself, firmly and inexcusably in the hands of physiognomical empiricism. The Cambrian visitors listened with profound attention, not comprehending a single syllable, he said, but concluding he would finish his speech by proposing the health of Squire Headlong. The gentlemen, accordingly, tossed off their heel-taps, and Mr. Cranium proceeded. Ardently desirous, to the extent of my feeble capacity, of disseminating, as much as possible, the inexhaustible treasures to which this golden key admits the humblest votary of philosophical truth, I invite you, when you have sufficiently restored, replenished, refreshed, and exhilarated, that ostios archimatus plancnochondro nero mulis, or to employ a more intelligible term, osiocani sanguineo viscerae cartilagino nervo medullary, compages, or shell, the body, which at once envelops and develops that mysterious and inestimable kernel, the desiderative, determinative, ratiocinative, imaginative, inquisitive, appetitive, comparative, reminiscent, congeries of ideas and notions, simple and compound, comprised in the comprehensive denomination of mind. To take a peep with me into the mechanical arcana of the anatomico-metaphysical universe. Being not in the least dubitative of your spontaneous compliance, I proceed, added he, suddenly changing his tone, to get everything ready in the library. Saying these words, he vanished. The Welsh squires now imagined they had caught a glimpse of his meaning, and set him down in their minds for a sort of gentleman conjurer, who intended to amuse them before the ball with some tricks of legitimate. Under this impression, they became very impatient to follow him, as they had made up their minds not to be drunk before supper. The ladies, too, were extremely curious to witness an exhibition which had been announced in so singular a preamble, and the squire, having previously insisted on every gentleman tossing off a half-pint bumper, adjourned the whole party to the library, where they were not a little surprised to discover Mr. Cranium seated in a pensive attitude at a large table, decorated with a copious variety of skulls. Some of the ladies were so much shocked at this extraordinary display that a scene of great confusion ensued. Fans were very actively exercised, and what was strenuously called for by some of the most officious of the gentlemen, on which the little butler entered with a large allowance of liquid which bore indeed the name of water, but was in reality a very powerful spirit. This was the only species of water which the little butler had ever heard called for in Headlong Hall. 
the mistake was not attended with any evil effects for the fluid was no sooner applied to the lips of the fainting fair ones than it resuscitated them with an expedition truly miraculous order was at length restored the audience took their seats and the craniological orator held forth in the following terms end of chapter eleven